will never start, and I know that you're tired. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Someone's screaming outside. <laughs> what happened? Hold on. Do you have a pellet gun? Oh, I can hear it now. Yeah, I heard her say, fuck off. Maybe there was a breakup happening just outside. The actual hell. Okay, so sorry. <laughs> she wants you to fuck off or the other person. To f somebody needs I to listen. Somebody. <laughs> and handle that. Yes. I have a podcast to record, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. I love it. All right. I'm a little bit stuffed up. Better, like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs>
I did. Tell me about Disneyland. I went to, I went to Disneyland in God, September. We haven't recorded <laughs> in a while, y'all. Give me a break. I know. I went to Disneyland in September. It was our first time back since March of 2020. So that was weird being back. It was emotional because I'm a child. I cried. Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I really did good though. Like I really was proud of myself. I didn't want to make a complete idiot of myself. So I only cried a little and it was at night. So nobody saw me. And then, but like when we go back for Christmas in a few weeks, I will most certainly sob when I see the tree and the Christmas parade because that parade makes me cry anyway and then I'll be like okay I'm dead now just leave me here to die well it just makes Uh, it real you know and it gives you hope because it's pretty dark for a while yeah so it was fun it was it was very hard to do with masks like I'm 100% pro masks but I will say it was tough because of the heat oh yeah like it was like it just exacerbates the heat and it was humid so it was just like ugh. you is know it, I could definitely feel myself getting more tired is it do you have to wear them even outside in Disneyland you don't but we did anyway okay. for the most part because it's such a pain to take off and on right and you don't want to touch your face a whole bunch and then for me I wear makeup so it's like I have to do a whole like fix my face situation, right. okay. you know, potentially. So we we unless we were eating, of course, we mainly just kept them on. Sometimes took a break if it was like an empty space and we were just dying, you know. Sure. But um, for the most part, we did, and I really didn't feel like weirded out except like in the switchbacks and the lines when people are close to you and they're not wearing your mask. Like you could, somebody could literally cough on your face. Like you know, you're so close. Yeah. <laughs> in some of those old switchbacks. So that's the only place where you're kind of like, mm, I wish people were wearing masks outside. <laughs> but for the most part, we felt okay. It okay. was it was good to be back. The Halloween party was fun. But my God, if you don't do that, like, if you don't do that for a year, over a year, you are fucking tired. Like, we were, yeah. like, you run a marathon. You know, it's eight miles, you know, we did eight miles a day, like, in step total, about uh-huh. basically. And we were dead. Do you <laughs> like? Because I always oh buy God. gel inserts for us before you go. Do you do gel inserts in your shoes? No. So I have feet that hate every shoe, and then I also have a vanity problem, so I wear uncomfortable shoes sometimes. But I said, "Fuck it! If everyone in this mother epping world is wearing ugly ass Crocs, I'm gonna wear ugly, comfortable shoes that I want to wear." So I bought Tevas, and now I'm a full-on Teva sandals addict, and it's ridiculous. But they were so comfortable. Yeah, because <laughs> and they feet. were flat, they were platforms, and they were actually pretty cute. Like they're not like obviously that fashionable, but they were super comfy, and they were platforms. So I got some height out of it, and yeah, I didn't hate wearing them. So I was happy with my Tevas. So shout out to Tevas. Not for sponsored, but. We Not welcome sponsored. you if you would like to sponsor welcome. us. They are expensive. <laughs> but yes, I was. I make fun of everybody wearing comfy shoes. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm too old. Well, I'm glad that you got to go back. It was, mm. I'm sure, very bittersweet. I know when we go to Disney World, we've already talked about it. Like, it's going to be emotional. It's going mm-hmm. to be, there's going to be a lot of feelings. Because yeah. and it's if, gonna be more. 
It's and- gonna be more so in December because my dad and my cousin and my aunt are coming, oh. and we haven't been with them all right you know yeah so that'll be more like and i know everybody listening is like you guys are stupid it's like listen (laughs) if you haven't experienced the disney park feeling (laughs) i cannot explain it to you Mm -mm. you don't get it and it's okay one day maybe you'll go and then you are like us this is your life now like sorry about it Mm -hmm. Um, but it is very, a very emotional yeah. thing. Speaking. Anyway, nobody cares. Of idiots. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to do a timestamp. That's cool. We don't talk to each other when we're not recording. So you guys are just going to have to deal with that. And I think some people probably enjoy it and some people don't. Um, so I think if I put a timestamp and be like, hey, the actual episode starts here, then it's, you know, everybody's on your own. I don't know why we don't talk to each other. We can. We're just weird. We can, but like <laughs> we know that we're gonna have a two-hour conversation like every couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> then we trade. Then we'd be no, like, we have it's nothing more like to a four-hour conversation every couple weeks because we usually record two right. at once. Yeah. So it is what it is. We text like, so and stuff. It's fine. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We really are friends, you guys. We've never met, we but we really are friends. We know that our drop schedule has been a little weird. We we kind of had some back-to-back things happening with specials and coverage of the movies. And then we were traveling and whatnot. We have had that conversation between the two of us, though. We would like to get back to a more regular schedule. It is coming. It may not come until after the holidays. We will still continue to put out episodes as we can. But after the holidays, we're going to get back to a lot more stable schedule for everybody so that you know oh it's thursday yeah you know we have a you know every other thursday you should have a new episode from us and then we're going to start incorporating those just beyond episodes which are going to lighten the load for danielle and i as well yeah so look forward to that we're aware it's been a little choppy but after the new year look for us to get back to what you like and i have a fear street book for you danielle are you having snacks while i'm going to tell you this story since I'm feeling a little under the weather, I am just enjoying some Pellegrino bubble water. Ooh. That is, it is, it is fancy. It's dark Morello cherry and pomegranate flavor. Yummy. So that, that's what I'm having for my snack. That soothes you. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. I'm having wine, if anyone cares. I'm having a, it's, oh. it's playtime. I think this might be a Malbec. I might have to refill because it has been a weird, crazy day. Okay. (laughs) So today, when we go back to Fear Street, we're covering what I would consider a classic. Um, I think it comes up a lot in groups and we hear about it a lot. This one is called The Stepsister. And I chose this book because it was the next one on the shelf. So on this book, the cover is actually pretty great. So there's like a... We have the classic pretty redhead that looks exactly like the one from Bad Dreams. I feel like there's a stencil that maybe this artist does and like fills in the different hair or whatever. But she's very pretty. She's very redheaded. She's reading what we can assume is a diary. And it's probably of the menacing looking girl behind her in the mirror. So she's like reading this diary and then she there's a mirror in front of her. And behind her, there's this really pissed off looking blonde girl. So I guess she's reading the blonde girl's diary. 
And the caption reads, when she moved into Emily's room, the terror began. Dot, dot, dot. Dun, dun, dun. And copyright is 1990 by Parachute Press. So this one has chapter titles, and I'm not going to do a lot of them because it's not really what we do. Um, I'm not going to go through each one, but the title of the first chapter is, quote, Teddy Dies. I just want to say right now that it better not be a dog or cat. Better not. We're turning off the episode. (laughs) And then I came back and wrote, from future Christy, spoiler alert. (laughs) And then I wrote, there is animal harm in this book. So if that is something that you are not down for, trust us, we get it. I will give warnings before it happens in the story. But if you just can't, we're definitely not mad about it. We'll see you next time. But like I said, I will give a warning. And it's not that bad, but it does happen. We are upstairs in Emily's room. We're in Emily's room in Emily's house on Fear Street. It's December, and all the leaves have fallen off the big oak trees lining the street. And the sky seems to be perpetually gray. It's on the colder side of chilly, and a wind that blows every once in a while just reminds you that it is, in fact, winter. Emily, who is a pretty auburn-haired girl, is fussing over her hair now, and she looks at Nancy, her big sister, who is laying on Emily's bed and reading a copy of Sassy magazine. (laughs) And Nancy's telling Emily, just calm down. Because, you know, Nancy, being the older sister, she knows that Emily's just nervous because her new stepbrother and stepsister are moving into the house tonight. Their new stepbrother and sister are named Jesse and Rich. Jesse is the girl. Rich is her brother. They're poor star-crossed parents who are totally in love and make out all the time, which is super gross are now going to multiply the number of kids that they are used to handling by two. Oh yeah, and they're all teenagers. Rich is the youngest. He's 13. So what could go wrong? Blending a family of teenagers. Cool. Everyone is on edge, which is understandable. This this is a big change, right? They already met their new step-siblings, but now they're gonna be moving into their house, so it's kind of different. Specifically, Jesse would be moving into Emily's room. Nancy is not too worried about this new situation because she will not be required to share a room. And she's leaving for college next year, so either way, she's got a built-in out of this situation if it happens to suck, which it for sure will when you put two teenage girls together that have never had to share a room before. Right? <laughs> Everyone's really optimistic. It's go. Well, it's like there's only so many bedrooms. Nancy's the oldest, and Rich is a boy, so it, these two girls in the middle are now going to have to live together. But aside from all that, Emily is excited. And when Jesse and Rich show up, she goes to Jesse and she gives her like this big hug. She's Jesse seems excited too. Jesse 
just loves the house, right? And she thinks that having a sister is going to be so much fun. And the girls are gushing to one another about like all the things that they're going to get to do together. And they're kind of like doing that jumping up and down thing. And the parents are smiling. Everything's going great. Emily invites Jesse up to see their room. As soon as they get to the room and away from the parents, Jesse has a total personality change. Bitch, switch, flipped. <laughs> Jesse bitches about how small the room is and about how Fear Street is weird. She asks Emily how long they've lived in this dump, meaning her house. And if their mom is always this enthusiastic, because she's kind of rolling her eyes about the cake that their mom made for them on their first night. Emily is weirded out a little bit. Uh, she's never encountered this kind of a personality flip before, but this is such an about face from the girl that she has known to this point. She had fun with her, like they've met before. They hung out at their parents' wedding. So she's pretty sure that it's like, it's, it's gotta be her, right? Like she's just hearing Jesse wrong. Or maybe she's like taking things wrong yeah. or that she's, you know, she's not understanding what she's trying to say. Jessie notices the distressed look on Emily's face and she immediately starts to backpedal saying, oh, you know, just, just ignore me. And oh, it's been so hard for her since her father remarried, you know, her biological mom said that she had to live with him. So she had to move and leave everything behind even her really close friends. So she's just being kind of weird. You know, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. Emily starts to feel sorry for her and empathize with her. But then the bitch switch flips again. Tiger, who is their adorable terrier, runs into the room to attack and sufficiently lick the newcomer. And Jesse has a fucking fit bitching about how that disgusting dog will get hair on her sweater. And do you know how much this sweater costs? She throws the dog across the room to get him off her. And the dog gives her a look like bitch and leaves the room. Stick with it. Jesse casually picks up Emily's old teddy bear, right? Emily explains that it's really important to her, this teddy bear, because she got it on her very first birthday and she's kept it with her ever since. Jessie announces that, you know what, She'll, she thinks that she's actually going to take Emily's bed. She doesn't really like the one by the window that they bought for her, the, you know, the new one. She doesn't want to sleep over there. She's going to sleep in Emily's bed. Emily's like, of course, bitch, that's my bed and you aren't sleeping in it. And Jesse just says that they definitely have a problem then, don't they? And then she reaches down and twists the teddy bear's head off. It gets worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're just getting started. Okay, if she doesn't die. <laughs> This is this, like the Fear Street book of gaslighting and bullshit. Everybody in the world can, can absolutely identify with our heroine in this book because you have known or worked with or for 
somebody who has been <laughs> this level of crazy. Definitely. And it is startling. No, I mean, that checks out. It is startling, <laughs> like, when it first happens because you're like, wait a minute, this can't be happening. Like, people don't just lie. But it is. But they do. They do. <laughs> <sighs> Here we go. Of course, she claims that this was a total accident and the bear was old and his head just kind of like fell off. It came right off in her hands. Oh, yeah. Right when Nancy walks in, Jessie is super defensive. She's like, no, 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 this was an accident. I mean, I know it was important to Emily so I can see that she's going to re- overreact. Um, but like, you know, it's not my fault. She does it in such a way that like Emily feels like a bitch for thinking the worst of her new sister. She's got this, like, Olympic-level manipulation going on. I hate it. Yeah, it's awful. Jessie then proceeds to talk shit about her own brother, saying that, well, you know, my brother is, he's quiet, he's creepy. He just reads Stephen King books all day, so we know what that means. She said that like it was a bad thing. Which is weird. We think that's a good thing. Yeah. Read all the king you want. It's good times. Read books. But apparently she doesn't care for books. Emily suggests that it's, you know, it's probably actually pretty hard on him to move and stuff, just like it is on you. But Jesse's pretty sure her brother's just a big loser and they should just ignore him. Okay. Nancy okay. is ignoring Jesse's behavior. And she's like, well, you know, I had a date, but this guy canceled on me. And then she goes on to say that, you know, it's been really hard for her ever since her boyfriend, Josh, broke up with her and started going out with Emily. Really? Have you ever known anyone who broke up with one sibling and then started dating another? That's insane. Why does that seem so gross? But like, why would you just bring that drama to yourself? Like, I'm going to date your sister or your brother, whatever. Like, I just don't know why you would bring that drama upon your life. Well, (laughs) I can maybe see it. It's gross. And then also, why would you bring (laughs) the drama? Okay, I could maybe see it in a scenario where you, like, liked somebody and then, but they weren't totally for you. Like, they had some annoying habits or whatever that you didn't like. And you met their older sibling and you realized that you wanted them more, like, I could see that, but I can't see going the other way. Like, I can't see dating the big sister and then deciding instead that you wanted to date the younger sister. Sister. Yeah, that just seems gross. It does seem gross. It seems really gross. I could just be, I could just be a prude about things, but I, I I don't like it either. Emily reminds Nancy that she was going to break up with Josh anyways because she was getting super bored with him. But Nancy doesn't seem to be over it. She does that thing where she's pretending to be over it, but she doesn't really seem to be over it. Jessie is watching all this go down, and then she suggests that she should go downstairs and let them work it out. But Nancy, being, you know, a senior and, like, super mature, just says, you know, everything's fine. She doesn't need to go downstairs. They're fine. So Jessie is also, besides being a master manipulator, she's a really good at that backhanded, like, statement, right? You know what I'm talking about? Mm. Here's an example. Like the backhanded compliment? Right, right. 
Yeah, that dress looks really cute from the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here's an example from the book. It says... I wouldn't wear it, but if you want... Wow, I could never pull off that color. Shut up. Right. Yeah, I know them all. I was a cheerleader. The example straight from the book is, quote, Wow, I really like your sister. She is so pretty. Are you really dating her old boyfriend? Uh, Lot packed in there. Lot packed in there. Um... So she uses this little gem as a distraction to gloss over the whole bed thing, right? Just understanding that Jesse would be taking over Emily's bed. And, oh, yeah, can we move that nightstand over there to my side of the room? Bitch, what? My side? But (laughs) Emily just goes along with it, okay? She, She wants this to work, which is a mistake because Jesse has just established dominance. Pretty easily, I might add. That's how it worked. She just went in there and was like, boom. Yeah, pretty quickly. I own everything. But Emily really wants it to work. She really wants a sister, so she's not gonna, you know, she's giving her an abundance of grace, which is probably a mistake. That night, the new family is having a little party. And trust me, as much as you hate Jesse, there's someone we can hate more. They decorated the dining room. They had the cake that mom made. And we all get a small insight as to Rich, as to why Rich is so bookish and quiet. So here's the deal. I never catch this guy's name. I just refer to him as the dad, right? This is Jesse's dad and Rich's dad. This is the guy that Emily and Nancy's mom married. He's kind of a douche. Okay. And when I mean kind of, I mean he is like a whole bag of dicks. Um, (laughs) So it's their first night in this new house. And when dad asks Rich if he wants ice cream with his cake, Rich kind of mumbles out an answer. And dad makes fun of him for mumbling and tells him to speak up. So Rich does. And when he does, his voice cracks. He's 13. It happens. To which dad laughs his ass off and makes fun of him, like, at length, right? Jesse actually sticks up for her brother at this point, tells her dad to leave him alone. But Rich excuses himself to go read. Which you can tell that dad thinks is really pointless because he announces at the table that he probably hasn't picked up a book since high school. Wow, what an We're all shocked. Good you can tell you. that dad thinks it's super weird that anyone would read past high school. Why would you read if it wasn't required? Yeah. Right? Only a loser. Right. <laughs> Both girls are shocked at the difference between their dad and their mom's new husband. Because Emily and Nancy's dad had been a pediatrician. He was well-read he was kind he was a serious person who would often wear like dark suits and ties to the office and this new guy just seems like a big bag of dicks like he doesn't read he manages a furniture warehouse store which i guess but apparently it doesn't require you to wear sleeves because he wears like a sleeveless shirt to work maybe he's in the delivery i have no idea um Whatever. Yeah. We don't have to wear. Well, I think he's like trying to build him up as this like kind of meathead guy that like Mm -hmm. is maybe attractive, but kind of 
stupid, but not aware that he's stupid. Okay. Like, he probably thinks he's very smart. Okay. <sighs> the point okay. is, it's a complete polar opposite from their dad, <laughs> who had been this, like, serious, well-read right. kind pediatrician, right? Okay. So this comparison makes Emily think about how their dad died. The whole family had been on a camping trip on an island in the middle of Fear Lake. If you'll remember, this particular island does make an appearance in some of the other books that we've covered. So they were camping on this island in Fear Lake. Emily and her dad had gone out on the lake in the boat and like some bad weather had come in all of a sudden. These big gray storm clouds seemed to come out of nowhere and the wind kicked up and the little waves on the lake became big waves on the lake and somehow the boat flipped and Emily's dad had drowned and I guess this happened in like a matter of minutes she was able to swim back to the surface and cling to the boat but he straight up drowned there is even a, a point where like his body kind of floated past her face down so she has this whole traumatic thing about the two of them were out there on this boat alone and he drowned and then mom marries this douche canoe and now we have an evil stepsister things are not going well for emily did you say i did (laughs) sometimes it's the only thing i haven't heard that one well i'm old um i'll try to think of other you're only a I think you're only four years older than me. So every time you say you're old, I I am want to die. I am so. knock knock <laughs> knocking on forties door. <laughs> you're not super far. Although when I so. eventually get a boob job and one day it will happen, I I want I want a reduction. Um, then I get to take like ten years off my age. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, good times. I'm going to age in reverse. Yeah, that's that's the way it works. Um, So, yeah, that's how Emily's dad died. A few days later, Emily makes a date with Josh to come over to her house after she has dinner and some time to finish her homework. And the family dinner that follows... Oh, Lord. Okay, so let's unpack this. Emily is late getting down to the table and the new dad has already gotten halfway through his plate because he waits for no one. Jesse, the master gaslighter, comes down to dinner wearing one of Emily's sweaters. When Emily calls her out, Jesse just says, it's not Emily's sweater, it's Jesse's sweater. Emily points out that it's clearly five sizes too big for her and Jesse just explains calmly that, well, you know, it's an oversized sweater. Emily goes on to say, no, no, that's the one that was folded in the top drawer. That is my sweater. You should ask before you take things. And she's like, this isn't your sweater. It's mine. She's had it for years. Jeez, does Emily, like, just need attention or something? Emily? cannot believe that jesse is pulling this she's she's like mom help me out here like this is my sweater like you know this is my sweater but mom just says you know she doesn't remember that sweater and maybe emily's mistaken new dad makes a crack about how skinny his son is and of course rich who's not going to be taking any of dad's abuse tonight just kind of blows up and leaves the table 
Nancy is dead tired on her feet because she said that she was um, studying late into the night. And at this point, I feel like a contest to see who can be like the most hated character has begun. Because yes, Jessie is a textbook mean girl and gaslighter, but the dad is really starting to piss me off. And I'm gonna tell you why, and then I wanna hear your thoughts. Yeah, okay, so mom asks, well, who's gonna clean up after dinner? And dad immediately says, quote, not me. That's why I love living in a house with four women. There's always someone to clean up after dinner. Motherfucker, I will kill you. And they will never find your body. I I watch a lot of true crime. I could get away with this shit. <laughs> we could get away with a lot. Can of you things. believe? Thanks to Discovery. Yeah, Plus. yeah, thanks to ID. <laughs> you better walk on eggshells around me, asshole. Can you believe this guy? Not That's sponsored. why he likes to live with four women. I don't. I want everything. I want them to just go away. All yeah, it's hard. Now, mom does call him a sexist pig, but she does it in that, oh, you kind of a way that like reinforces uh. this kind of like bad male behavior. And in case Ew. I just I have zero tolerance for this kind of bullshit. Quick, quick example. There was a time where my husband expressed distress at the way I was doing his laundry. He did not like (laughs) how I was folding it. And believe me when I tell you that my husband folded his own damn laundry for about six months after that was raised. I did everyone's (laughs) laundry and I put his laundry in a separate pile for him to fold. Since it was so important to him. That's how they learn. (sighs) That's how you learn. Lord. So after this bizarre dinner, Emily goes upstairs to work on her report for school. She's been working on it for weeks. Okay, this is a big grade. She's, She's done all the steps. She is finally finished. And she's about to print it out. And she goes down to the kitchen for a quick snack. And when she comes back... Jessie is sitting at the computer, and the report is gone. Deleted. Like, never coming back, kind of deleted. Emily is done. Jessie has to die for this. And she form tackles her. Uh, yeah. And the parents come in, right? Emily accuses Jesse of deliberately deleting her report. Jesse, of course, denies it and says that the computer was off when she came into the room. The parents are taking a hard line here, okay? They, they've clearly already had this discussion. They don't care what happens, but this is it. No fighting. Not ever. These girls will learn to get along. Or else there will be big consequences. And they both mutter sorries to each other, and the parents leave the room, and it takes two seconds for Jessie to straight up threaten Emily. She tells Emily to never 
do that again, to never make her look bad in front of her father. Emily tells her to go fuck herself, and that just then, little Tiger runs into the room. Okay, trigger warning. Jesse kicks him. And he yelps, and Emily screams at Jesse not to kick her dog. And Jesse just rolls her eyes and says she doesn't she didn't kick him. She just kicked at him. Okay, bitch. So Emily retreats to Nancy's room. What is the difference? With Tiger, and Nancy asks what happened. She basically scoops Tiger up and is like, we're out. So Emily explains the whole thing to her big sister, Nancy. And Nancy tells Emily, you know, you should really try to go easy on Jesse, which is not what she's expecting to hear. But Nancy has some dirt. Mom told Nancy that Jesse has some real emotional problems. In fact, she said that Jesse was seeing a shrink twice a week in their old town. That's part of the reason that moving to the new house was so hard for her. Jesse had to leave her psychiatrist behind. And mom wouldn't give Nancy any details, but something bad happened with Jesse at their old school. Like bad enough that Jesse's mom wanted them to move and live with their dad for a while. Nancy warns Emily to just kind of stay out of Jesse's way because she's not sure if Jesse's dangerous or not. Josh shows up right on time and breaks up the sister talk. Emily is so glad to see him, and he asks if she's finished her report. And the best way to describe Josh is Wiley. He's got dark, curly hair and intense eyes. He's short, but he's very quick-witted. And I guess he's one of those like teenage boys who just is like a bottomless pit of food. He's constantly eating. I know all about that. My child is that way. He suggests that, you know, she tell him all about it and the report and all the other things that have been going on while he eats a sandwich. I guess the family just understands that he needs food always because he goes right to the kitchen and has a sandwich. Joss suggests that she talk to her mom again when, when she's calmer. He takes in all this information. He's like, okay, you just need to talk to your mom again after you've calmed down. And Emily insists that, you know, that won't really work. And then there is some, like, pointless studying and an adorable reference to the trapper keeper that Josh brought with him, uh, I guess, to the study date at her house. And then they're just hardcore full on making out. And they're just kind of starting to get into it when she notices that Jesse is watching them from the stairs like a pervert. Emily takes a hard left and decides that the best way to give Jesse the middle finger is to just pretend that she is not there. And she returns to her makeout sesh with fervor. Not what I would have done, but okay kind of gross like i'm probably not gonna be like oh yeah blah 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 watch me make out more Grody. it's it's extremely romantic. romantic late that night when everyone's in bed emily can hear jesse talking quietly on the phone to someone and all emily can make out is that jesse is telling someone on the other end that she could quote kill her really 
kill her. Who's she talking to, Danielle? I said it was her psychiatrist. Oh, maybe. But why is the psychiatrist talking late at night? How do you bill someone for that? I don't know. I don't know. She seems weird. So I'm just going to think she does weird stuff. Or maybe no one's on the other line. I don't know. We're going to find out. Maybe. She's talking to a ghost. Could be. That would be a twist. Sometimes we get a twist in these ones. We think it's one thing and then it goes in the other direction. So now we get a little bit of a time jump. (laughs) And the next scene is in school a few days after this big fight has happened, right? Josh is supposed to meet Emily right after class, but he doesn't show up, which is really weird. Josh is always very punctual. And of course, when she goes looking for him, she finds him leaned up against a locker, very cozy with her stepsister, Jessie. Oh. He's speaking really enthusiastically and smiling and they're laughing. And Emily is not very happy about that. Jesse kind of goes off with a friend and Emily asks Josh why he was late meeting her and why he was, what, what were you talking about? What, what's going on? But right in the middle of it, she kind of starts to hear what she sounds like, which is like a crazy paranoid girlfriend. So she backs down a little bit. Yeah. Um, even though, though, she doesn't like Jesse and she doesn't want to, like, have any reason to doubt Josh. But she knows Jesse's, like, cray. Like, she will lie. And she asks Josh what their plans are for the homecoming dance. Josh makes a bunch of jokes, but I think they end up saying that they're going to end up going to this dance together. But there's definitely some weird, awkward tension now between Josh and Emily Josh seems to be leaning towards team Jesse saying that, you know, he thinks she's just probably just lonely and that maybe Emily should give Jesse another chance. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesse says that they're not really yeah. fighting very much in the house anymore. They're just giving each other a lot of space right now. And that's what's working. And Emily is more than happy to continue giving Jesse a lot of space. <laughs> a few days later, There's an extremely weird and out of place scene. And so much so that it's like, and and I've said this before, but you know how sometimes I'm like, is this going to be a dream? Is she going to wake up at the end and be Mm -hmm. like, and then I woke up because it's so weird, but then it's not. It's actually part of the book. This is one of those. So it's been a couple of days. I've given each self, like they've given some space to each other. They're not really fighting. They find, Jesse and Emily find themselves in the kitchen late at night, right? And they, they're trying to make this icebox cake. Do you know what an icebox cake is? I have heard of them, but I don't think I've ever I should have researched this. But I've Apparently heard. it involves some kind of chocolate wafer and like a Cool Whip or whipped cream combination. But they're, they're trying to make okay. this cake, and they must have, like, requested ingredients and planned for this cake ahead of time because they can't believe that someone bought three canisters of spray whipped cream to build one cake. But they also can't seem to find any of the other ingredients. It's so weird. Like, this whole thing makes no sense. So they're, they're trying to figure this out, and somehow a whipped cream fight breaks out between the two of them. In a happy way, which is weird because they hated each other a few days ago and now they're spraying whipped cream at each other and making jokes and laughing and like falling on the ground 
it's like a whole montage thing with like a fun song in the background. Nancy comes into the kitchen at some point and they rope her into the fight. And it's some kind of like, I don't know. Dear Penthouse, I never thought that this could happen to me. But I just walked in on a whipped cream fight between three teenage girls late at night in the kitchen. And they're all in their pajamas. Okay, so anyways, so they're having this whipped cream fight that makes no sense. They're covered in whipped cream. And Jesse very selflessly and lovingly suggests that Emily could take the first shower because they're all gross. And I'm really starting to think that maybe, you know, Emily has misjudged Jesse. Jesse's actually not that bad. She wants her to take the first shower after all. That's cool. So Emily goes upstairs and takes a shower. And when she steps out of the shower and looks in the mirror, she starts to scream. <coughs> Nancy comes running in and she gets her a robe and she's like, what is your problem? What is going on, Emily? Why are you just screaming like this? And Emily just points at the mirror and both girls see that Emily's hair is ruined. It is ruined. And as Nancy gets a better look at her hair, she sees that her dark hair, her auburn hair, now has these big yellow and orange splashes and streaks in it in weird places all over her head. And all the screaming has brought the rest of the family to the bathroom. And mom and dad and Jesse come running to the bathroom Mom and dad are trying to figure out what happened, and Emily just says that her hair is ruined. That's all she can say. She cries and just talks about how terrible she looks. And mom can see right away that Emily's hair has been bleached somehow. Oh, okay. And they go to look for the shampoo bottle. And Emily says it's the same shampoo that she's been using for weeks. She doesn't think it was tampered with in the store, and there's no reason to think that anything was wrong with the shampoo. Dad reaches down and finds an empty bottle of peroxide in the wastebasket and announces that someone must have emptied an entire bottle of peroxide into Emily's shampoo bottle. Nancy then pops up saying that she knows that Jesse spent an awful long time in the bathroom before Emily went in to take a shower. She knows because she tried to get in and Jesse was in there. Jesse flips out. She gets very defensive, saying that everyone thinks that she did this. Why would she do this thing to Emily? Well, and then she it? says something very cryptic, like, she says, this is because of what happened with Jolie, isn't it? Jessie freaks out. She says everyone hates her. She gets blamed for everything that happens in the house. Nancy keeps trying to push her for more for some reason. Like, every time Jessie calms down, Nancy will say something to set Jessie off. It, it's, it's, it's a big cluster. I've got my side eye on Nancy, though, because in this situation, Nancy's stoking this fire. Like, she's not trying to de-escalate the situation. She's trying to make it worse. Eventually, Jesse gives up and runs yeah. from the bathroom, and Nancy pulls Emily back to her bedroom, saying maybe she can fix it. Like, maybe they can cut it in such a way that it looks intentional, I guess. Right? It, it does bad. sound bad. Um, if anybody's ever dyed their hair at home, you can't go dark to light in one time. You certainly can't do it in a weird, splotchy way. That's so weird. So random. Did you ever watch Daria? 
Do you remember the episode where her best friend tried to dye her hair blonde? Vaguely. It was like that. They were trying to pick out a blonde, and then they were trying to, like, paint blonde stripes in her hair, and she came out, and she looked like a leopard. <laughs> There's spots everywhere of orange. La, 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 la. So, in the next scene, Nancy has miraculously fixed Emily's hair. She somehow cut it in a certain way that makes it look like she tried to put in highlights. Sure. It's a cute sister moment, um, I guess, if you can call it that. But it still feels weird that Emily is dating Nancy's ex-boyfriend. But fine. I mean, she had to have bleached her hair. I I don't know. We're going to have to find out. This moment gets interrupted by pounding on the front door and, like, big steps coming down the stairway and some raised male voices. Which is weird because new stepdad's the only one that has male voices in the house. Nancy and Emily go out in the hallway to see what's going on. And there is dad with Rich and a police officer. Apparently, Rich got caught shoplifting. And the cop's like, yeah, the store's not going to press charges because he's so young. They just want his parents to deal with it. And the officer just kind of, like, left. And dad, who I thoroughly expected to beat the shit out of him in some kind of rage or something because it's on brand for him he kind of does an about face that is really unexpected he asks rich you know why didn't he just ask his dad for the money you know why would you put yourself and us through this like what's going on is there something you need to talk about like this is weirdly mature from stepdad And Rich, who's good at pushing his dad's buttons, at this point, all he says is sorry. Like, each time he's asked a question, he's like, sorry, like a little punk, right? And then he just starts going off, like, after he's tired of hearing this lecture, he just starts, like, repeating over and over. Sorry, 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 sorry. Like, I would punch this kid. Yeah. Annoying. Yeah, I would, too. Dad is somehow showing restraint, which is weird because he doesn't strike me as someone who shows restraint. He goes downstairs to kind of distance himself from the situation. Jesse comes into the hallway and she's like, Rich, what the hell is your problem? Like, this attitude sucks. Like, you're not you're not getting attention the way you want it this way. Please, please stop acting like this. And Rich flips on her. He's only 13, but he's like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. You don't know anything about me. I don't know anything about you. Don't pretend to care about me now. Just leave me alone. So everybody's got some emotional problems, it seems. That night, they're having an extremely awkward and silent spaghetti dinner. Dad is very depressed about the kind of children that he's raising. And I don't know, maybe be less of an asshole, Dad. Uh, Better example, possibly? I don't know. Weird. And it's so shocking to parents who are shitty who turn out shitty kids. It's always a shock. That Friday is the homecoming dance. And I guess at this point in the book, it's not super cool to go to a dance, which is weird because it's always been very popular before. But Stein goes uh, into like describe at length that most kids would never be or would rather be out cruising or parking or partying at somebody's house. Um, For some reason, in 1990, when this book was published, dances were not super cool. I mean, maybe, I guess if it's not prom, it doesn't count. I don't know. 
it seems like Josh is kind of doing Emily some kind of a favor by going to the school dance, which apparently is super uncool. I don't understand, but there's a song playing at the dance, and I don't know if you remember this one, but it goes, pump it, come on, pump it, pump it, pump it up. It sounds something familiar. Is that pump up the jam? Is that what he's trying to... I think it's pump up the jam, yeah. But it never goes pump it, pump it, pump it up. Maybe he can't directly quote it, I don't know. But I I guess it's like pump up to jam. So you can pump it up at the school dance. Oh, you know what? I I think because you have the, not that I'm like, I'm not clocking you at all. I wouldn't either. But I think because you have the the beat wrong, I, I hear it now in my brain. And I think it's like, pump. Pump, pump. Oh, right. Got you, got you. Okay. (laughs) So they're at the dance. They see Jessie there. Jessie's there with her friend Krista. Krista's kind of a butt. She makes some kind of a backhanded comment about Emily's, you know, new hair. Is anyone not a butt? Emily's okay. (laughs) Emily's kind of like in a sea of crazy people. Mom must be getting some good D, but she's doesn't seem to be crazy that's got to be the only reason like stepdad's got to be hitting it like a freight train because goddamn (laughs) so yeah so krista makes some kind of like backhanded comment about emily's new hair and that really pisses off emily because she's pretty sure that jesse has told her about what actually happened with her hair and the peroxide so she's like oh so jesse and her little friend are laughing uh about what jesse did to me The dance seems to be over too soon, and Emily finds herself making out with Josh in his car out in front of their house. She doesn't really want the night to end in that fogged up window, slow jam on the radio kind of way. And this is the only kind of peace that she's had in a little while, but eventually she pulls herself off Josh and heads into the house. And here is where the trigger warning is really going to be important. I'm upset to say that in the next little bit of the story, there is going to be animal harm. And if you can't handle animal harm, I suggest you skip ahead. (sighs) Emily walks into the kitchen and immediately notices that Tiger does not come up to greet her, which is weird. Because he's a happy little boy who always wants to be scratched. And she starts looking around for him and calling out to him. And she, she walks into the kitchen and she immediately finds his small, dead body. He's lying in a pool of his own blood and he has a cut deep in his chest. Someone has stabbed Tiger to death. Emily immediately starts screaming for someone to just to help her as the whole family comes down to this kitchen to see what's going on. And and honestly, everyone seems genuinely upset to find Tiger dead. And mom suggests that like maybe someone broke in and did Tiger like, but there's no signs of a break in. Then mom says, well, maybe like he fell on something sharp. And Emily's like, what did he fall on, Mom? 
Someone in this room stabbed our dog to death. And then naturally, Emily goes on to make the connection that Jessie hated Tiger. Jessie flipped out because she says she doesn't like dogs, but she wouldn't kill an animal. Then her attention goes to Rich, and Nancy brings up that she thought she heard Rich walking around down in the kitchen earlier. She also brings up the fact that Rich has been reading Pet Cemetery lately, and isn't that the book where someone's animal dies? Yeah, but it it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Yeah, like he's like, back off me. Why don't you back up? Like this this is not me. And mom doesn't like like all these accusations. She doesn't like everyone like turning on each other. She suggests that everybody's just upset. They should all just go upstairs to bed. But stepdad's like, no, no, this is a serious problem. They should figure this out because he's an idiot. And he kind of thinks that, you know, Rich, maybe he should see his shrink too. But he doesn't know how they're going to afford to send two kids to a shrink. So now, if there was ever, like, any doubt about whether or not Jesse was seeing a psychiatrist, the whole family knows. Like, Dad has just let it loose that Jesse is for sure going to a counselor once a week. Um, I guess she found a new one because he's talking about it in the present tense. Everyone goes upstairs. They're going to get some rest. They're going to figure this all out in the morning. And on the way there, Emily makes sure to stop and tell her mother that she knows that it was Jesse who did this to Tiger. Jesse hated Tiger, and she hates Jesse. Mom said Emily should ask herself why she accuses Jesse of everything. And that she shouldn't be jealous of her because Jessie is her new sister. Emily is very angry that her mom never listens to her about all the clear signs that she's been telling her about her new stepsister. Emily also tells mom that Jessie acts completely differently when there are no parents around. Mom says, you know, they all just need to try a little bit harder to get along together. And maybe they should just sit around and talk this out. But Emily's not interested. Emily goes to her room and finds Jessie there. Jessie says that Emily is covered in blood and that she's really sorry about what happened to her dog. And Jessie has run a bath for Emily. A hot bath will make everything better. And don't worry, she's used a lot of that bath oil that Emily likes so much. Jessie runs off into the bathroom to stop the water running. And while she's gone, Emily picks up Jessie's journal that she's left on her bed. Jessie has written in her journal that Emily has accused her again and that she doesn't know what she's going to do about Emily, but she's got to do something. Emily didn't really have time to dig deeper into the journal, so she hid Jessie's journal under her own pillow and decided that she should wait until Jessie goes to sleep, and then she would give Jessie's journal a real good read. But now we know that Jessie is cray-cray, and she's just run you a bath. Which, can we pause here for a minute? 
Like, yeah, no. isn't it kind of weird to have other people run you a bath? Unless you're a mother and their child. Well, like. When they're a baby. Even sometimes my husband will be like, oh, or I was like going to run you a bath. And it's like, uh, why? I can turn the yeah. knob also. I can do it. I can do it myself. <laughs> like what? I don't understand. So anyways, nice. Emily walks into the bathroom. She looks down at the water and she's just going, okay, what did this bitch put in the water? Like, do I get in this bath? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, what, do, what do you think? Should she get in the bath? No, it's probably like acid or something. Some kind of bubbles that's going to give her cooter, like a, a bad infection. <laughs> right. It's probably like just Right? Or like it has acid something. in it. So the answer yeah. is no. You do not get into the bath. Emily washed the blood off her arms and shoulders in the sink, and then she put on her nightshirt and came back into the bedroom. Jessie asked her what was wrong. Why didn't she take the bath? And Emily made up some excuse about how she was too upset and too tired. She just wanted to go to sleep. Jessie said that, well, she didn't want the bath to go to waste, so she went and got into the bathtub. So I guess it was okay. Whatever. Emily goes to sleep. She has a nightmare where Jessie and her friend Krista are trying to kill her. And it's that, like, stupid thing, you know, every once in a while that's like, oh, she died. And then she woke up for a dream. We all know that Christy hates that. Let's not do that anymore, Stein. It's beneath yeah. you. <laughs> She's actually woken up from this dream by Rich, which is weird because Rich has never come into their room before. It's also weird because it's still the middle of the night. Um, but Rich says that, you know, he just wanted to tell her and make sure that she understood, like, he didn't do anything to her dog. He wants her to believe him. Emily sees that he's like, he's kind of tearing up. And Rich goes on to say that he actually really likes dogs and he liked Tiger. He kind of kept him company when his dad was being a jerk. And he just wanted her to know that it wasn't him. And she believed him, right? Emily decides that she does believe yeah. him. And she tells Rich that she doesn't think that he killed her dog. And he goes back to sleep. Emily looks over at Jessie's bed to see if maybe she overheard this conversation. But she sees that Jessie's bed is empty. And also, the window is wide open. We don't know where Jessie goes, but Jessie has 1,000% snuck out of her room that night. Emily decides this is a really good time to yep. read Jessie's journal. She's not even here. The first thing that Emily notices about Jessie's journal is that certain passages have certain different degrees of handwriting. It's the same style of handwriting, but depending on how fast or angry Jessie was probably when she wrote passages like this, sometimes it's super duper crazy looking and sloppy, and other times it's very neat. Uh, okay. And she can tell from reading the journal like, that Jolie, the person she referenced earlier, uh, was a friend of Jessie's, and that they were both found at the bottom of a hill. And some kind of like... <laughs> what? It says that Sorry. they were both found at the bottom of a hill. Uh, during some kind of, like, group outing for school, right? But the difference is, is that Jolie had died really from the fall, okay? 
Jesse had written that no one believed her that she didn't kill Jolie, but apparently she didn't handle her death well. And there were just like a lot of questions. Jesse couldn't prove that she didn't push Jolie off the ravine or hill or whatever it is. Um, But at the end of the day, they were both at the bottom. Jolie was dead and Jesse was alive. So everybody just thought Jesse had killed her, but they couldn't prove it. So Emily reads this journal. She passes out. The next morning, everybody's kind of miserable at breakfast, right? Because Tiger just died. Mom suggests that maybe she and Emily could go on like a girl's day and like go shopping and have lunch and try to cheer Emily up. But Emily is not having it. Like her dog just died. She's upset. Right. She also tells her that like she and her friend Kathy have signed up to try this new computer program at school. And even though she doesn't really want to go, it'll take her mind off Tiger. It's a Saturday. She's going to go up there and do this stupid lab. Uh, so she doesn't have to sit around and think about it. Jessie comes in looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, which is weird because she was out all night and seems very chipper despite the fact that the family dog has just died. She even offers to help Dad clean out the garage, and he's excited to have help about it. No one mentions Tiger. Except for the fact that Rich keeps giving her these kind of weird, meaningful looks. Emily can't figure out why. But you know what? She's done. She's had enough of this family. It's weird. She hates everything. She hates everyone. Her dog is dead. She's leaving. She leaves to go to school to do this weird computer lab that apparently has to be tested on a Saturday. That doesn't happen. It's not a thing. So she meets Kathy at the school computer lab, and as the instructor walks in, Emily uh, puts her backpack on the table to get ready and opens it up. And again, here's a trigger warning for animal harm. Skip ahead, please. It's gross. Because when Emily opens her backpack, she finds that someone has put poor Tiger's little body into her bag. What the hell? It's fucking sick. I hate it. There's too much. It's too much. Too much. She agrees. But now there's a time jump. It's a few days later. And Emily and Jesse are not speaking. They are straight up not speaking. They are pretending each other don't exist. And that's probably for the best. Mom calls them both down to dinner, and we find out that Rich has a black eye. He got into a fight at school. Emily asks what happened to him, but he doesn't say very much about it. Mom says she doesn't want to talk about any negativity at the dinner table. Good parenting, Mom. That's helping you so far. Just ignore everything that you don't want to deal with. Cool. She only wants to talk about pleasant things, okay? Dad asked Jesse if she was on the phone last night because... He thought he heard her when he got up to go to the bathroom. Jesse's like, I wasn't on the phone. You must have heard, like, you know, the ice maker making ice or something. Sure. But Emily knows that she's lying because most nights, after she thinks everyone's gone to sleep, Jesse makes some kind of a late night phone call to a mystery caller on the other end. 
This happens every night. She's either sneaking out or talking on the phone to someone. And it's all kind of too much for Emily. She she doesn't care, really, at this point. She can just sit her next to her dog killer, who may or may not pretend that everything is cool and pleasant. Awesome. At least Josh is going to be coming over a little bit later. So she told everyone to tell her when he gets there. So she's going to go up to study. And a lot of time goes by and Josh doesn't really show up. So eventually she makes her way back downstairs and there's Josh in the house talking to Jesse. I guess Jesse just forgot to tell her that Josh got there and the two of them are very chummy and buddy buddy. We know Josh has a bad track record with fidelity. So that's good. We were all Who could have shocked. seen this coming? So yeah. <laughs> wow. So Emily peels her boyfriend off her stepsister and they go out to his car and have a little fight. Josh says that, you know, he doesn't or she doesn't have to take her anger out on him. He's not doing anything wrong. You know, if he's mad at her stepsister, and Emily's like, listen, I told you she's crazy. I told you she killed my dog. I told you she may have killed someone before, but you don't listen to me. You keep just like being friendly with her and defending her. And it seems like you want me to be friends with her. Josh says from what he knows, it's hard to believe that she did all those things. So he's straight up calling Emily a liar. And while we're having this conversation out on the lawn, Emily looks up and notices that Jesse is watching them from an upstairs window. And this is where it starts to quick with Emily that maybe Jesse really is dangerous. And maybe if she oh, had no. the right motivation, she might kill Emily. Yeah, just now. She was a bitch before, but now she's a threat. But the next day at school, Emily is sitting with That's her friend true. Kathy at lunch. And Emily spills uh, some, like, macaroni and cheese or something like that on her shirt. Like, there's a big spot. Um, Krista, who, if you'll remember, is Jesse's friend from the dance, comes up to Emily in the cafeteria and is like, Hey, you know, you spilled something on yourself. Oh, by the way, can you explain to me why you're being such a big bitch to Jesse? <laughs> and Emily's like, you don't even know me or like what's happening or go away. Like you're not, you're not a part of this story. You need to go somewhere else. And in kind of a huff, Emily gets up to go to the bathroom, right? Cause she's going to clean this macaroni and cheese or whatever off of her shirt. She runs into Nancy on the way. She's like, this is the worst day ever. I've got to go clean this off. She gets to the bathroom and who does she meet at the bathroom door? But Jesse, right? Jessie blocks her way into the bathroom and she's like, listen, Emily, I can't take any more of this. And Emily's like, what can't you take any more of? And she's like, this silent treatment. You're trying to ruin my life. Why are you being so horrible and hateful to me? And Emily's like, how dare you try and turn this around? I can't even talk to you. Like, I just want to get in this bathroom and wash this spot out and, like, never see you ever again. Ever. She kind of pushes her past her. The bathroom is a mess. There's, like, tissue paper everywhere. She tries to get the spot out of her shirt. She retreats into a stall where she sits down because she just needs to, like, take her breath. Like, 
it's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot happening. She just she's trying to get through this day. <laughs> so Emily's trying to catch her breath, right? And she's she's in the stall, and then she starts to notice that like the room, the bathroom, is filling up with smoke. So she runs out of the stall, and she sees that like all the papers and the trash and stuff have been lit on fire. And now some of the ones that were scattered on the floor were starting to catch fire as well. So she goes for the bathroom door, like the big bathroom door, the main door, but it's stuck. It won't open. And the smoke is getting thicker and the flames are getting higher and she's trying to go out the bathroom window, but it's also stuck. It's possibly painted shut. It won't open at all. And she has this like, realization that she could very well burn to death inside this bathroom if she can't find a way out. So Emily starts panicking and she's pounding on the door. She's yelling for help and she realizes that the bell must have rung and the hallway outside the bathroom would be completely deserted by now. There's more smoke and eventually Emily almost passes out from like smoke inhalation. She thinks She hears someone opening the door and dragging her from the bathroom. It's one of the teachers. She saw the smoke coming out of the door and she noticed that the door stop was jammed underneath the bathroom door from the outside. She opened the door and pulled Emily out and pulled the fire alarm and the entire school was evacuated and Emily was pulled outside to get some air. She definitely almost passed out from smoke inhalation. And when she's outside, Nancy runs over to see what the problem is, and the teacher explains that Emily was locked in the bathroom where the fire started. Emily is kind of delirious, but she's like, no, no, I'm okay. I don't want to go to the hospital. Nancy offers to take her home, and Emily's like, okay, cool. And the teacher's like, Nancy, you can take her home. Which, bitch, they would have had to check her out in a normal situation, right? Like, I get an email anytime my kid, like, has what they consider a head injury on the playground, which is, like, they bump their head. Like, I have to be notified in writing. But this girl was almost burned to death, and she's just like, no, go home with your sister. It's cool. It's fine. Whatever. So, they all go back to the house, and Emily kind of lays it all out for Nancy. She says, in no uncertain terms, Jesse did this. Thousand percent. Jesse straight up tried to kill her. And Nancy's like, that's a serious accusation. You should probably wait till you have some kind of a proof that she did this. But Emily's like, nope. I said what I said. Jesse is cray. She wants to kill me. And Nancy's like, listen, I believe you. I also think Jesse's a little bit crazy, but we don't have any proof. So, We're just going to have to watch her going forward and, like, see if we can get some kind of proof that she's as evil as she seems to be. I'm the big sister. I know what to do. Leave it to me. I'm going to watch Jessie from now on. When they get to the house, um, Jessie is miraculously already there. Don't know how that happened, but she's there. She throws her arms around Emily and she's crying. And she said she heard about Emily's little fire. And gosh, can't they just be friends? Can't they start over? She doesn't want to have the silent treatment anymore. She was so worried about Emily. And Emily's like, yay, thank you, Pat, Pat, Pat. 
Emily has <laughs> never been more afraid of Jesse than in this moment where she's being hugged. So there's a time jump again. And the next scene that we get, there's like all three girls are riding in this car to a concert. And again, this is a weird situation that I don't fully understand. So Nancy and Emily and Josh all had concert tickets. It's like, you're not going to a concert with your ex and his new girlfriend who also happens to be your sister, but Kay. Josh couldn't go for some reason. He pulled out at the last second and Jesse overheard them talking that he couldn't go. And she did that thing where she's like, oh, can I go? Please, 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 please. But she did it in front of their parents. So she had to be invited to go to this concert. So all three girls are going to the concert Jesse's acting a little weird. They're trying really not to notice her or interact with her because no one really invited her. They get to the, the venue. They have these really bad seats. Like it's way up in the nosebleeds. And they climb all the way up to the top. And when they get there, it's kind of a crowd of people. But somehow Emily is pushed down the stairs. And to be clear, this is like a... Um, uh, one of those poured cement stadium situations, right? Like, um, okay. the stairs are concrete and they're steep. If you've ever been in the nosebleeds of like a baseball game, yeah. they're, they're steep. So like, if you fell just the right way and for long enough, you could straight up die. Like your head could easily hit this like sharp concrete, oh, sure. like thousand percent. Like, Emily is somehow yeah. pushed down these stairs. And when she looks up, she sees Jesse standing there. And Nancy runs down to make sure she's okay. But Emily thinks that Jesse has now graduated to actually trying to kill her. That's It's I terrifying. I don't like those stairs just walking up them. I can't imagine falling down them. She would have, like, seriously no. been injured. But somebody happened to be on the stairs right below her not too far. So they kind of stopped her role, which is, I guess, enough to be embarrassing, but not enough to be fatal. There's a fade out, but now the now the stakes have changed, right? They're a little different. It's the next night, and Emily's yeah. walking home from a study date with Kathy. She stays pretty late at Kathy's house because, honestly, she doesn't really want to go back to her house anymore. And who can blame her? She's walking down the street... And it's being very Fear Street about it, right? The weather has turned cold, and there's strange sounds coming from the woods. She tries to ignore it. She keeps walking back, and as she approaches her house, she sees that Josh's car is sitting out in front of the house. And what a nice surprise. We didn't invite Josh over. Josh isn't supposed to be here. And the closer she gets to Josh's car, the more she starts to notice that it's moving a little bit and that the windows are fogged up. And she gets closer to Josh's car and sees he's not in Josh's car alone. So who is in Josh's car with the windows all fogged up? Three guesses, Danielle. Three. I bet you only need one. But. Jesse. She doesn't see Josh is outlined in the car, but she knows that he's in the car with her and the windows are fogged up and there's some stuff going on. This is too much, okay? 
Emily does an about face and runs and runs and runs and runs. She doesn't know what else to do at this point. She's crying and running and she hates everything about her life since her stepsister came in. She's walking all the way through the arc of this story between how did we get here? She's trying to figure it out. Like, how did everything fall so spectacularly to shit? And eventually she has to turn around and go back, come back home. And when she does, she doesn't find Josh's car out front. She goes to her room and Emily's just sitting there and she's stewing and then she starts to get up and starts pacing the room. And she's just thinking about Jesse and Josh. Jesse and Josh together. How long have they been together? How many times have they been sneaking out together? Was it him she was sneaking out to see? Was it him on the phone? Uh, she wants answers. So naturally, she starts to go through Jesse's stuff. She gives no fucks. She's gonna find out what's going on. She starts in the top drawer of her dresser. And there's like a whole bunch of scarves that are very neatly folded on top, which is ridiculous because everyone knows you just shove scarves into to a place somewhere. No one folds scarves. And in the middle of the scarves, she finds a long kitchen knife with blood on it. So immediately, Emily thinks that this is a connection. The leap has been made. This must have been the knife that killed Tiger. So she hides the knife. The plot. And a few days later, it's announced that the entire family will be going on a camping trip. Stepdad got some kind of weird special bonus at work. And mom and dad have decided that this family is going to have a camping trip over the weekend. It's the perfect thing to get the whole family to come together and everyone can solve their problems and work it out. So stepdad takes the whole family to a place in South Carolina where he used to camp when he was a boy. Okay. He says that they can't camp in Shadyside because it's too cold this time of year. They need to travel farther south. So when they drive south, they find a campsite somewhere in South Carolina. And there's a path on this campsite that leads to a small cemetery off to the side. Okay. Great. It's a wonderful place to camp. Um, Rich is complaining because he's not an outdoor kid. And Jesse is like actually kind of loving this. She likes the trees and, you know, whatever. The two girls, Nancy and Emily, are just kind of tolerating this for the sake of their mother. Emily's actually pretty pissed about this. She explains that she doesn't have time for this. Nancy agrees she needs to study, but no one cares about that, um, apparently. Everyone's been dragged into the woods in a random place by a cemetery to go camping because that is how we're going to solve all the problems. All three girls go off into the woods to start gathering firewood for the campfire. Rich and Dad set up the tent. And it's starting to get dark and Emily looks up and notices that she doesn't see Nancy anymore. Jessie looks around for Nancy and she says, you know, they really should have brought flashlights in the dark, in the woods, to get firewood. You think? 
right? And that's when Emily realizes, wait a minute, I'm in the woods with Jesse at night by ourselves. Um, nobody trusts this bitch. So she kind of like fades into the woods to try to get, okay. get away from Jesse. She slips and she runs away down the path to the cemetery and she can swear that she hears Jesse running after her. Someone is in hot pursuit of Emily. And she finally gets to a clearing with the gravestones where she notices that for some reason there is a freshly dug grave in the clearing with no headstone above it. Weird, right? She's like, oh, let me just step around this gravesite while I go to this other side of this clearing. And she's trying to plan her escape when she is pushed down into the grave. And the mud at the bottom is wet. It's exactly what you would think it would be. I think they described it as like the consistency of pudding, something that you couldn't get out of. She starts trying to climb her way out, and as she's climbing up, she almost makes it to the very top. When a shovel comes down out of nowhere and nails her in the arm. There is a sound like a snap of a celery stalk, and she falls back down to the bottom of the grave, where she's hit with a wave of pain. Her arm is broken. Jessie has to be up there with a shovel, and she knows that she's in trouble. She's down here with a broken arm. She hasn't actually seen Jessie's face, but she can't climb out of the grave. But she doesn't really have a choice. She's, she still tries to manage it. Somehow she tries to climb and scamper up to the top of this grave with just one arm and two legs. But as she makes a little bit of progress, the shovel swings again and almost hits her in the head. She's screaming up for Jessie to stop and to let her out when she realizes that the person standing on the top of the grave is not Jessie. Danielle, who's at the top of the grave? Who is it? Ugh. It's not Jessie. I mean, Rich is a little weirdo. Or maybe it's Jolie. It's the ghost of Jolie. 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 Yeah. Sorry. That's Jolie. Is that your guess? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say it's the brother. It's Nancy. Oh. Nancy goes on her super villain monologue about how... Emily oh, no. killed daddy. She killed him. She didn't try to help him when the boat flipped over. She could have done something, but she just clung to the boat. And their dad is dead. And it's all Emily's fault. And if that weren't bad enough, she stole Nancy's boyfriend. Emily deserves to die. And Nancy knew that it would be all too easy to blame everything on Jesse. Jesse, who already had emotional problems. Nancy knew from the minute that Jesse accidentally took the head off the teddy bear that Emily would not trust Jesse. 
but it was Nancy who did everything. She could kill Tiger. She could put bleach in Emily's shampoo bottle. She even started the fire at school. Then Emily can hear arguing and fighting on top of the grave. Jessie has reached the grave site and she's fighting Nancy for the shovel. There's a shove and a grunt and Nancy falls into the grave with Emily. She lands on her hands and knees and Emily sees this time is her time to escape. She starts to scramble up the side of the grave when Nancy grabs her around the waist and pulls her back down. She hits her broken arm on purpose, sending pain through her and almost completely debilitating Emily. Emily tells Nancy to snap out of it, that she's her sister. She doesn't really want to hurt her. And Nancy says, no, now you die. And she starts to advance on her sister at the bottom of the grave. And when she gets about an inch from her face, there's a thunk and Nancy hits the ground. Jessie has swung the shovel from overhead and knocked Nancy the fuck out. She helps Emily out of the grave and asks if she's okay, and she tells her to wait there. She's going to go to the campsite to get the rest of the family to come and help. There's a fade out. And now there's a small time jump, and it's the next day. And they spent all of that following day checking Nancy into a long-term psychiatric facility so she could get treatment. And then they took Emily to the doctor to get her arm set. Um, yeah. And then. Like, it's kind of a slight, first? I thought. Emily and Jesse are talking yeah. in their room. And they're going back over everything. They're trying to put all the pieces together. She only apologizes when she realizes that Nancy had set Jesse up from the very beginning. She wanted to turn Emily on Jesse so that Jesse would be easily blamed for Emily's death when Nancy eventually killed her. Jessie explained that her behavior was a little weird um, because she was sneaking out and making late night phone calls to her boyfriend, Darren. Darren goes to another school and she's actually not allowed to date him because he's a few years older than her. So she had to keep their relationship on the down low. Oh, and by the way, Darren drives the exact same car that Josh does. So that night when she okay. thought she caught Josh and Josh and Jesse making out in the car, that was actually Jesse and Darren. Oh. Which you guys suck. If you're sneaking okay. around, park down the block. <laughs> so everything is great. Yeah, like at least go yeah something. Everything's great. Everything has been explained now. We're the best sisters ever and everything's going to be awesome. <laughs> Rich walks by at that point and he's reading, but guess what? It's not Stephen King anymore. He's reading a Hardy Boys book, which is okay. And that's how it ends. Everyone has been changed for the better and everyone is all clear that it was Nancy all along. And we have a bright future ahead of us where we stop reading those terrible Stephen King books and start picking up the Hardy Boys, which I'm sorry, <laughs> Hardy Boys are fucking stupid. I tried to read them as a kid, couldn't get through it. Um, yeah, they were never. No, <laughs> Nancy Drew sucked too. Sorry about it. 
Um, there wasn't enough gore. There was not enough gore. I like Harriet. The oh, spy. Harriet the Spy is good. I know that there was only one thing available for like mysteries and spookiness for a while was Hardy Boys, but I just feel like we have evolved and we've yeah. moved on. And I probably have isolated half of our friends here yeah. who love the Hardy Boys, but seriously, <laughs> kind of lame. But see, if you love them, it's okay. If you love them, it's okay. We accept you anyway. But yeah, that's how it ends. Everything is tied up in a nice package, and Nancy will be happily medicated for the rest of her life. It's a big It really is. I think we deserve it. Because, um, damn. It was kind of depressing. It was too much animal death. Well, aside from the animal death, yeah. it was like, we need a little bit of... Don't get me wrong. I like this one. I did. It's it's that perfect capturing of that psychopathic person that everybody has encountered at some point. Mm-hmm. He did very well with that. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And I thought the last scenes in the grave were very well done. Um, I thought it was maybe a little rushed. I don't know why we had to somehow change locations to have that happen. The camping thing didn't make much sense to me, but okay, cool. But my main beef, I think, was yeah, it is we had part. we needed a little bit more um, light. Like I need, I needed some more balance. Like I, by the end of it, I was just depressed. Like I just wanted it to be over. It was, it was kind of sad. I needed some more reprieve and just literally violent. Mm-hmm. I liked the last scene I did, but I don't think it was necessary to take us camping to get there. Um, she lives on Fear Street. There's a cemetery yeah. on Fear Street. We could have easily done that there. Yeah. I don't know. What'd you think? I agree. I think it was more, it wasn't like, it was gory, but in a sad way. Like, it wasn't like gory in like a whoa kind of way. It was like gory, like, geez, this is really depressing. And like, you know, her falling down the stairs and like the hair bleaching. Like, it's just kind of mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, it kind of was a down. It was kind of and a down. The dog. And I like this one. I know it's a. I know it's a classic. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like it as well. Yeah. I also know that there is a sequel okay. to this one, but to be totally honest, not my fave. Not my fave. Yeah, I get why people would like it, and it has one of those like nice like packaged endings. So I'd be curious to read the sequel because, like, if it's packaged so nice, like, I'm assuming it has to do with her, like, getting out of her facility or something. Maybe. <laughs> because the think. girls, are, I think, they like don't how- say what grade they're in, okay. but they're not seniors. So I assume it would follow them mm-hmm. through, like, another okay. uh, deal. Unless her mom, yeah. like, hooks up with somebody else and somehow we have another stepsister. Um it really should just be called the stepdad or my mom. My mom is a Part two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Okay. We always like a journey to Fear Street, but not my fave. This yes, one's not my favorite. Do. That was a good. Not my fave, but it was a good story. And we have so many good episodes in the past. Would you like to talk about some of the episodes in the past that maybe – people could revisit for the holiday time something to get them in the mood oh yes what have we done for the Um, holidays well our original original og episode was a goosebumps christmas yes uh 12 screams of christmas 
which I believe was episode two. We also have uh, Silent Night, which was episode one. Silent Night. I love that one. Um, And the cabin one. Oh, Ski Weekend. That was actually um, the pilot episode that we did for the Haunted Heart. Yeah. Was it? When we took over Haunted Heart and then they were like, hey, we should do our own show. And then we also have The Snowman, which... Oh, I think mm-hmm. was holiday, or maybe it was just about snow. Yeah, <laughs> ish. There was snow. There was snow. I mean, then I guess if we're just going with snow, I had the abominable, yes, the abominable the snowman abominable from Yeah, not Christmas, but snow. Right. <laughs> um, the last book we just recorded for Goosebumps, how I got my shrunken head, is based around Christmas break. So we don't talk about Christmas, right? But. <laughs> It's tiny. And um, also, so. I believe Night Games had some mention of like that's the one where like the 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 teacher was eat like they hated the teacher, and like they there was a scene oh, where they, yes, he was yes. like decorating his Christmas tree by himself in the dark. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that weird guy. right. <laughs> We've done quite a few books yes. at this point. It's hard mm-hmm. to remember. Yeah. It seems like Fear Street seems to have more Christmas-related content, and Goosebumps is lacking in the Christmas or holiday-related content. Maybe. Maybe I just gravitated (laughs) there. I don't know. We'll see. The point we're trying to to make is that there's many, many Snacks with Stein episodes in the catalog for you to enjoy this holiday season. Something for everyone. you should check it out. Yes, check it out. Whether you've just started listening or you want to go back and listen to your favorites, yeah, do that while you're bored at home and avoiding yes, your family over do the holidays. That. <laughs> but until next time, we are out. Like the Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and every other holiday decor. Do it. Put them out. Bye. <laughs>